We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Support for Ramstock Radio comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Manscaped is a revolutionary company that has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag where you don't want it to nick or snag. It's also waterproof, so you can take it in the shower. The lawnmower 2.0 comes inside their Perfect Package 2.0, which makes it the perfect gift for this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the trimmer on your face if you're using it down below. Come on, guys. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why would you not put it on the smelliest part of your body? I mean, come on, guys. We all know. And... These products, man, they smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood if, if you know what we mean. The Perfect Package also comes with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that will keep your junk fre- feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pairs of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxer brief. Tis a, ski- tis a season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, your boyfriend, whoever you want, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. And best of all, with our promo code BIGHEADS, you're going to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. 
Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? Ah, all right. Uh, feels a little unclean to have Marcus Peters in our intro tonight, but here we are. It is a post-game edition of the Butting Heads podcast. I am Steve Ribeiro. I am a writer for USA Today's Rams Wire. With me, as always, Rams Talk Managing Editor, Johnny Gomez. Johnny, uh, last year when the Rams wore their color rush jerseys on Monday Night Football, we got maybe the game of the century as far as regular season games go 54 to 51 Rams victory in just an incredible primetime shootout uh, everything you'd hope for in a Monday night football game this year we lost 45 to 6 to the Ravens yeah not exactly the comparison is just night and day there not um, not ideal yeah, it's uh, pretty depressing. <laughs> uh, I think I'm starting to realize that I'm a little dead inside because I just I just watched us get trounced, and after the first drive, I, I pretty much knew the game was over, and I just kind of sat there and took it, and just it, it it is what it is. We I don't know, man. I'm not even that angry. I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe I just saw it coming. I mean, it. it's not like the Rams lost to a, a terrible team. So I think it's a little it, it's a little easier pill to swallow because of that. Doesn't mean we want to see that happen. At least make it a little competitive, which it wasn't. Not, a, not at all. <laughs> Pretty much after the first quarter, I knew it was going to be a long game. But as you said, and after the first half, we pretty much saw where this game was heading. And uh, it didn't get any better. It got pretty much worse. So, yeah. <laughs> there, there wasn't a single second of this game that was competitive. Not one moment. Uh, from start <laughs> to finish, we got walked all over. Uh, you know, <laughs> our offense didn't even uh, make a peep until we were down 14 nothing. And then it just felt like a whimper more than anything. Uh, they had two decent drives there, and then that was it. But uh, <laughs> we're going to get into everything about this game. But before we do, guys, please, uh, if wherever you're getting your podcast, please subscribe, download our episodes, uh, give us a five-star review if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you want to be entered to win a jersey. Rams jerseys, customized, personalized, whatever you want, name in the back. Give us a five-star review. Send an email to ramstalk1945 at gmail.com with your name and a screenshot of the review, and you'll be entered. When we hit 200 reviews, uh, we're giving out that jersey. So uh, do that if you haven't. And of course, check out our other shows on the feed, Ramstalk Radio, Rams Uncensored, and Rampage Radio. Uh, sure, Derek's going to be coming in hot on this week. He did not sound thrilled on Twitter, but... Tonight, you are stuck with us. So, like, I guess I'll just give, like, my initial reaction to this game, and then we'll get into the stats. This is a game that, you know, heading into it, the Ravens are on fire. They're the hottest team in the NFL, literally longest win streak in the league. They are clearly, 
they were cut above us entering this game and exiting still a cut above us. We both picked the Rams to win. I think we both knew it was kind of a homer pick. And backs against the wall, you expected this team to show up, show some life, uh, put it all on the line, and they just got walked all over in every sense of the the word. And I mean, look, had we been seven and four, seven and three heading into this game, had we taken care of business in Pittsburgh, had we taken care of business in Seattle when we missed a field goal and the game, it, it is what it is. It happens. But that Pittsburgh loss stings a little more when this happens because. You lose to a better team. Good teams get blown out by by teams like this. Bad teams get blown out by teams like this. This shit happens in football. It happens all the time. Uh, just this week, Johnny, you mentioned you got a lot of texts from Raider fans talking shit. They got blown out by the Jets. Weird shit happens. This isn't that weird, but had you gotten that win against Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, this is not the end of the world, and now... It is going to take a fucking miracle for this team to make the playoffs with the way they're playing, with this, how the schedule shapes up, with the way the rest of the NFC is shaking out. If we were in the NFC East, we'd be in first place. We'd be all right. Uh, but that's not the case, and this is kind of a soul-crushing way for the season to effectively uh, be over in terms of making the playoffs. It's not technically over, but I don't think 10-6 and six gets you in the NFC playoffs this year, and we'd have to win out if that's the case. Yeah, it's this was pretty much the nail in the coffin, and it would take a lot of <laughs> a lot of miracles, I will say, in order for the Rams to make the playoffs at this point. I feel like even if they won the rest of the games this season, they still don't get in. And like you said, the way they're playing, there's no way they're going to win the rest of their games. So, I mean. Really, as far as this game is concerned, all dimensions of the football, you know, was horrible. Like, there was no bright side to this game whatsoever, in my opinion, uh, other than the fact that we got Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods back, which is yay. But uh, <laughs> what what happened? I mean, what did that actually do? Really not much. And not that I'm saying it's their fault, because it really wasn't. But, like, it just – it didn't seem like a, a, there was any life in this team at all. Like, it, it, from the moment they stepped on the field, they just didn't seem like the Los Angeles Rams we know. And uh, it, it was just disappointing all around just to see how they were playing. Uh, offensively, you can kind of – understand in a way just because of how they've been performing but defensively this was totally not the same defensive uh, performance that we're used to seeing at all you you can read my takeaways for this game uh rams wire the rams wire at usa today.com wrote the takeaways article and basically what i said about the defense is i really hope that Either Wade Phillips just decided to take the week off, uh, let his players just do whatever they want for the week, make no game plan, uh, not prepare for this game at all. Because if they actually did come up with a game plan and prepare for this game, that is fucking embarrassing that this is the result. Lamar Jackson didn't throw an incomplete pass in the first half. The Ravens offense with him on the field scored not just points, a touchdown 
every single possession. So if you had a game plan, uh, I like I kind of hope they didn't. I kind of hope that they were just like, hey, whatever. Uh, there was a game when I was in high school where we were playing. We were we hadn't won a game all season. The other team was undefeated, the best team in the conference, one of the best teams in the state. And the day before when we were supposed to do walkthroughs for the game, our coach brought out wiffle ball bats, and we went outside, and we played wiffle ball, and it was a blast. Uh, we didn't prepare for the game. We lost 50 to nothing. We would have lost 50 to nothing if we prepared for the game. But I hope that's what the Rams were doing this week, and I hope it wasn't actually sitting in a room watching film, discussing the ways they could and could not stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense. Because if they actually did that, if they took the time to come up with this bullshit strategy that wasn't existent, uh, you're playing against a, a scrambling rushing quarterback, and you're not they're not even attempting to contain him. Uh, he's running all over you. This is a team that loves to run the ball down other teams' throats, and the Rams just sat there and took it. Uh, I really hope you didn't come up with a game plan because it's pretty pathetic if you did. Well, that's that's a good point. And, and to tell you the truth, it wasn't the Los Angeles Rams that lost the, the football game today. It was it was the fans of the Los Angeles Rams because uh, kind of one of the things I was discussing, I, I went to a sports bar with a couple buddies of mine and uh, – one of the things we were discussing was um, if we had gone to this game, we'd be extremely pissed off because this this was this was just like they were lifeless zombies out there. It was just like they were just there. They it's like all of a sudden the defense forgot how to tackle, and that was one of the biggest aggravations of it all because that's not the defense we're used to and seeing them just kind of only trying to strip away the ball, which it didn't really matter as it turns out anyway, because if you get a fumble, it's not going to be called, it's not going to be a fumble anyway, but (laughs) uh, uh, I had to, I had to do a quick job, but um, it, it was just frustrating to see that because I, I don't understand all year long with the exception against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this defense played extremely well and, you know, knew actually how to tackle. And all of a sudden, every single one of them forgotten how. So I, I just, I don't get it. And on top of all of that, too, I, it, it, it's just, uh, it, I don't know, man. It's just amazing seeing, like, how they were just getting run over by uh, Mark Ingram. It was, it was a, uh, Incredible seeing that um, the offensive line was pushing the defensive line two or three yards back. I, I mean, at no point really was the run, running game ever really in any danger. They, especially if they bounced the ball outside, they had three, uh, three or four yards to work with and ended up with a first down each time because they were being manhandled and being pushed back. I, I was just amazed. I'm like, where is this the same defense? Is uh, is Aaron Donald out there? Did he get hurt? Clay Matthews, Dante Fowler, somebody, anybody? Corey Littleton. The the Ravens as a team averaged six yards a rush, five point nine. I rounded up, uh, which is insane, just un- unbelievable. Uh, absolute dominate performance. 
Uh, keep talking about this, but let's take a quick break. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Okay, yeah, it was it was just pathetic, and let's dig into the stats here because they'll tell this whole story on the defense side of the ball. Ravens' offensive stats, 31 first downs. Uh, that is absurd. Uh, 480 total yards, uh, nine total drives. I, I, they scored points on the first seven of them. Uh, they scored a touchdown in all six with Lamar Jackson, averaged six and a half yards of play, 195 passing yards, 285 rushing yards. Uh, I, they did not turn the ball over once, and they doubled our time of possession. Uh, looking at their player side, Lamar Jackson, 15 to 20 for 169 yards, sacked twice, scored five through five touchdowns, should have had a rushing touchdown on top of it, got stopped at the one. He added eight rushes for 95 yards. Uh, Mark Ingram, 15 rushes for 111 yards, seven and a half yards of carry, one touchdown for him. Gus Edwards, 14 carries for 55 yards. Uh, receivers, not much, but Marquise Brown, five catches, 42 yards, and two touchdowns. Willie Sneed, two catches, two touchdowns, 14 yards. Mark Andrews, two catches, 45 yards. They did a good job containing him, uh, but <laughs> none of that even mattered. Uh, Lamar Jackson, dude, I mean, I said a couple weeks ago, Russell Wilson was the MVP. It's Lamar Jackson. The kid is fucking unbelievable. At no point in this game did it look like he was going to be stopped. And in the, like, in the pass rush, I feel like there were times where he had all day, but even when we got to him, he would just go out of the pocket and make a play. Uh, it was like clockwork for this dude to just do whatever he wanted, and he is a fucking stud and a half. And, bro, <laughs> I, comp- I said, this is an actual quote from me, that I said Lamar Jackson in year two was going to be the Tebow season I wanted. They built the, they because Tebow, he had that year, all he did was run, really, one bunch of close games. Pretty similar statistically, I feel like, to Lamar Jackson's first year. Uh, they are not even – it's insulting that I even said that at this point. And Lamar Jackson has clearly taken the next level. Uh, whether or not he can win a game by throwing the ball 50 times for 500 yards, it doesn't matter because he's never going to have to do that uh, because he's so dangerous with his legs and – He's accurate, and he throws the ball well, and he can throw it deep when he has to. And the guy is going to be a nightmare for years to come. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's completely different from from Tebow because <laughs> I, I feel like Lamar Jackson actually has, like, the next-level talent, whereas Tebow, yeah, that's, that's why he's not in the league anymore. Got more playoff wins, though. For now, I mean, <laughs> for, it's only for been, a couple more weeks. For a couple more weeks, yeah. Uh, I mean, to be honest, the way the Ravens are playing, this this team could easily win the Super Bowl. Like, I, I don't think, 
I don't think there's really a team out there that can really compete with them. And you I, could I bring up the 49ers. Yeah, I think that their team's on the same tier, but today I'd pick them to win the Super Bowl. Oh, easily. And, and like I said, you could bring up the 49ers and you have uh, somewhat of an argument there because the 49ers are obviously a talented team too. But I still think the Ravens are on on uh, a next level. I feel like they constructed a really good team there, and uh, yeah, just putting in Marcus Peters for them is uh, icing on the cake. My guy, Marcus Peters, one interception this game. <laughs> I I I mean, we were so beat at that point. I loved it. I love seeing my boy. Y'all know how I feel about Marcus Peters. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad he, I'm glad he got his if we were going to lose like this. Let's look at the Rams box score stats. This will be this will be a doozy. Uh team oh, stats. <laughs> 14 first downs, uh 2 for 9 on third down. Oddly enough, that's like the best third down game they've had in weeks. So that should say a lot about the state of this team. 48 total plays compared to 74 for the Raven. 221 yards compared to 480 for the Ravens. Uh, 199 yards passing. 22 yards rushing on nine attempts. Uh, over two in the red zone. Really just pitiful efforts in the red zone. Uh, eight penalties, 56 yards. They actually got bailed out on a lot of penalties too by the Ravens, which is insane. Uh, and two turnovers, both interceptions by Goff, both in garbage time. One was by Marcus Peters. Uh, the other was off of a Cooper Cup drop. Uh, so looking into the specifics of the guys, Jared Goff, 26 for 37, 212 yards, uh, two interceptions, sacked twice. Todd Gurley, six rushes for 22 yards. I know I know the game, the game flow got out of hand, but like Jesus Christ, give him the ball. Robert Woods, six receptions for 97 yards. Felt like half of those came at the end of the game. Cooper Cup, six grabs for 35 yards. Brandon Cooks, two grabs for 32 yards in his first game back. Gerald Everett, two for th- 23. Tyler Higby, five for 20. Josh Reynolds, two for eight. Todd Gurley, three for negative three. Uh, but if you're paying PPR fantasy points, 2.7 points right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... The, the the thing that stands out to me clearly is that Todd Gurley touches the ball six times, nine total, uh, six rushes, three catches, another single-digit touch game for Gurley. Obviously, this game was ridiculously out of hand pretty quickly, but it's just it's just depressing to keep reading these stats, especially after last week. Yeah, you, you see them taking a, a step forward last week and then taking five steps back this week. It, it was just, you know, some of the play calling was bizarre. You know, I, I remember one drive where on, like, I think it was a third and two, you you would think you would hand the ball off to Gurley at that point, and they, you know, Goff goes for it on a, on a deep bomb, and I'm like, why? Can we, can we it, talk it, about that, too? Because I don't want to lose this topic, because is that – that and then that whole sequence, it was fourth down. Uh, I, I got to pull up the box because this this got me so angry. Where is that possession? This was the opening. This was the opening drive of the second half for the Rams. 
the previous drive, uh, this was the first game, I think, where we didn't start out with the ball at halftime. The Ravens came out, just shoved it down our throats, obviously. They've been doing it all night. Get up 35-6. to six. We take a deep shot on third down, third and two, whatever. You probably should have ran it, but, like, whatever. You take the shot. Fourth and two. You're on your 33. You're down 35-6. to six. They've scored every time they touch the ball. Why the fuck don't you just go for it, man? Uh, like you punting the ball there is you saying this game is over because the odds of you holding them to a field goal at the 33, the way you're playing are just as high as you hold them to a field goal. If you punt the ball and then on top of it, they, they got a false start and they got pushed back five yards. I, I just, I don't get why you don't even attempt it that like, I know it's early in the third quarter, but punting there is you throwing in the towel and saying the game is over you need something you need something to happen and punting is just as bad as going for it and not getting it in that situation to me I don't know how you felt about that I don't know if anyone felt strongly about that either I I didn't read a ton of Twitter today during this game no I I think it's a good idea to stay away from Twitter at this point Um, (laughs) because uh, I, I can already see like some of the ridiculous tweets like fire Sean McVay or something like that. Um, and I just, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not in the mood for that. I'm just not, uh, I'm, I'm getting enough, enough, uh, texts about clowning about how the, the Rams are just, uh, completely falling apart. But on the bright side, the Lakers won. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's not quickly falling apart. This has been a, a decaying team all season. Uh, and like we we got a win against Chicago, yay! Like that's that's the state of this team right now. <laughs> uh, and like while we're on the topic of of bad plays, it, so it, it's a post game pod. I just I kind of want to just jump around here and just get all our thoughts out there. This is supposed to be a reactionary podcast. I think the moment I knew we had absolutely no chance of winning this game was it was the second drive of the game. Uh, the Rams, I, I think it was second drive. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading this backwards. Here we go. So second drive of the game, uh, you, you, you get a five yard completion and then Goff gets sacked. It's third and 13 and they hand the ball off. This is the second drive of the game and you hand the ball off on third and 13. You won't even try and throw it deep. The craziest part about this whole sequence was that it actually almost worked. Todd Gurley got a nice 10-yard pickup, uh, but there was a flag. I don't know if he saw the flag or not, but instead of trying to get the first down, he's right next to the 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 yard marker. He runs out of bounds. So it's a thing we've been talking about all year. It's a thing he's done his whole career, but he was so close to the first down, he just runs out of bounds and didn't pick it up, but it didn't matter because there was an illegal shift. So I don't even know why they ran the play to begin with. But, like, this play was everything wrong with the Rams season in a nutshell. It's 3rd and 13, and they hand the ball off. After refusing to hand the ball off all season, they're going to do it now. Then Ty Gurley runs out of bounds instead of trying to fight for that extra yardage in the first quarter. And also, the fact that they're running— Oh, and of course there was a penalty, so I fucked everything up because we, we love penalties now. We're the Jeff Fisher Rams all over again. And also— the fact that you hand the ball off here this early in the game, to me, just signals how little confidence Sean McVay has 
in his quarterback, in his offensive line, in his offensive unit as a whole, that you're basically just, you might as well have just punted on third down to catch the opponent off guard because you're not really trying to get it. Uh, you don't think, you don't really think you're picking up on, on third down. It's not even a, a draw. They just straight up ran out of eye formation, not eye formation, but single back handoff. That just to me proves that you have no confidence in your offense, and rightfully so because they've been terrible, but they're gonna, this is a team that's going to have to take a long look in the mirror in the offseason because there are problems everywhere, and the play calling, the quarterback play, the protection up front, uh, the running game to a, to a degree when we actually try and use it. Uh, that just to me, I, I did not think we had a, a semblance of a chance of winning after we did that. That was me just – that felt like throwing in the towel right there, and that was uh, very early in the game. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. This is not the same confidence that we've seen from um, any of really Sean McVay's teams. It's just it's like the season's dead to them, which is disappointing because I mean, obviously it is now, but you know, before the Ravens game, I, it was going to be tough, but it, it was still feasibly possible. And now, yeah, not so much. And and I and I realize that there's been like a lot of things that hasn't really gone the Rams' way. Uh, I mean, you brought up a couple of close losses that they probably should have won. And now that it's really hurting them, we've gone through a lot of key injuries, um, most of which being on the offensive line which is part of the reason why the offense isn't really so good. Well, no, we, I'm going to disagree with you here. We have gone through a lot of injuries. John Johnson, yeah. Brandon Cooks. John Johnson being one of them. Yeah, yes. a huge one. Losing Clay Matthews for a little bit. Those injuries killed us. Uh, losing Brian Allen was addition by subtraction. Uh, losing Rob Havenstein might have also been addition by subtraction. Uh, losing Noteboom because of just – or. Losing Noteboom to a degree was addition by subtraction because once we realize that Jamil Demby is not the answer, uh, David Edwards huh. kind of has been the answer. And I think um, – like, I don't know, man. I think out of all those guys, the only one I really want to give a chance to next year is Joe Noteboom. Like I, I'm not going to feel great about Rob Havenstein – rolling out as a starter. He probably will. I honestly don't think Brian Allen's going to be back as a starter. So yeah, we've had key injuries. We've had, we've lost guys that have hurt, but the offensive line last week, we were saying maybe it's a better unit without all these guys. And then after one game where I, I don't know if I necessarily blame the O-line for this loss. It's not entirely on them. They're part of the problem, but not to the degree they were in the past. Uh, I just, I don't think you can blame this season on injuries like at all uh, because the defense had been fine and the biggest injury on the team came on defense outside of this game. Obviously they were not fine. No, I, I'm not blaming the entire season on, on the defense or on the injuries. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that it's been part of the equation and one of the reasons um, it is part of the equation is because You've mentioned it uh, in the past. I believe you mentioned it last week. Some of these uh, off-season moves 
just don't seem to add up. And uh, we're starting to see the effects of it as the season continues along. So right now we're, we're in a situation where uh, I don't, I don't know if this is a, a team that's going to be good enough to, uh, to make the playoffs this year. And if the team doesn't really watch it, it, it might not make it next year either, just because, um, you know, having the team locked in in place uh, and this is not the team you necessarily want. Uh, now might have to, you might be forced with it. You know, uh, some some of this uh, locked in money is uh, is kind of hindsight. You know, we we saw we said that about Rob Havenstein, uh, kind of saying it about Jared Goff. Uh, although I, I, you know, like you, I still stand by the decision. Uh, so people are going to say when hindsight that, um, that it was a stupid move. It, you know, I, I, I'm not giving up on Jared Goff, although he, uh, he certainly hasn't had a great season at all. He's given us and, a lot uh, of reason to give up on him, but I, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I can understand the frustration from some fans. I can see why. Some fans would throw in the towel for him, but at the same time, you know, realistically speaking, he is going to be our quarterback for a while. Um, you know, unless unless we want to, you know, have uh, no player for uh, you know a lot of lost money there. But you know, bottom line is, Goff is going to be our quarterback, and. I, I still think that the guy's talented. It's just for whatever reason this season, uh, he just hasn't hasn't clicked. And I, I don't know if it's shell shocked. I don't know if he just isn't, you know, having the same success as last year. But whatever the case is, um, hopefully he's able to bounce back from it uh, next year because I, I think this year might be lost. Unfortunately, it's it's definitely lost. I think that it ha- it hasn't gotten better for him, even as the offensive line play has improved. That was a big reason why people defended Goff early on in the year. Uh, we did it because of how poorly the offensive line was playing, uh, but they played a little better. And he's put let's let's be real that he sucks uh, as far as NFL quarterbacks go. I believe in him because. There's too much evidence over the last two years before this year that he's good. Last year, especially, there's too many games. Some quarterbacks have the fluke game here and here, but there's multiple games last season where you watch, and we don't win those games without Jared Goff. He's Minnesota, Kansas City, NFC Championship, New Orleans. He's making great plays, great throws. And I just, there's too much evidence to me that he is good in the past. I think he's just having a slump year. It happens. Uh, it happens to quarterbacks, and it's alarming. After you paid him, for sure, he might end up just being bad, and th- that might have it might be all downhill from here. But you got the money in there, and I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that him and McVay can get this fixed in the off season. But it's not getting fixed in the next six weeks, uh, no way. And I think you know, I I put out a feeler for questions on Twitter. We did get a lot of people wanted to talk about the future. So let's get to that, kind of. But before we do that, let's take a quick break. 
Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you can t- choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try Parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Best of all, if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you were to deposit $2,000, you can get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. If you're looking a little low stakes, put $100, they will give you $50. You'll be good to go with some free money. Just use the promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to activate this offer. Once again, that's promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, so uh, Eric Dreyer, uh, shout-out to Eric, at edreyer4356, asked, what, the, what does the future hold? How does this get fixed? The season is over. Uh, I think we basically agree with that. And then Deej Smith, at Deej Smith 724 asks, what offseason moves can be made? So it's kind of, so let's, like, because I like look, if you guys want us to talk about more, we we did thirty minutes on this victor or on this loss. <laughs> we we could do more, but I don't think anyone wants to hear that. So let's let's talk about like what the future holds. Kind of assuming that this is a loss season, and we could end up nine and seven. We could end up eleven and five. We could end up six and six and ten. But whatever happens, it's unlikely that we're going to be playing in January. You look at the cap sheet and the salary cap space we're going to have in the offseason, it's it's a lot. Jared Goff is making $36 million next year on the cap. Aaron Donald, $25 million. Todd Gurley, $17.25 million. Brandon Cook, $16.8 million. Jalen Ramsey, $13.7 million. That number could very well go up if they come to an agreement on an extension in the offseason. Robert Woods, $9 million. Tyler Higbee. Eight point six million. Rob Havenstein. <laughs> Rob Havenstein seven point eight million. Clay Matthews five point seven five million. That that contract they could get out of if they want to, but I I feel like they won't. Uh, Eric Weddle point point seven million. Uh, other notable players who are on the books: Nickel Roby Coleman, Troy Hill, Gerald Everett, Cooper Cup, Johnny Hecker, Austin Corbett, Malcolm Brown, Taylor Rapp. Uh, John Johnson, Joseph Noteboom, David Long, Josh Reynolds, Daryl Henderson, Samson Ibukam, Bobby Evans, David Edwards, Brian Allen. Uh, just some of the names of players that are going to be on the team next year. Troy Reader. So we're going to have $25 million in cap space after all that. Uh, a little bit of that will be taken out for paying draft picks. Luckily for us, we don't have any fucking picks, so we don't really have to worry about that. Um so I guess like you think about the guys who I didn't name who are going to be notable free agents coming up. Corey Littleton, Michael Brockers, Andrew Whitworth, Austin Blythe. Uh, those are those are starters. Those are important players. And we will have to see what they do with that. They have $25 million to play with. I could see that going down to twenty, depending on what happens with Ramsey. Uh, if if they extend him this year, if they just do it all in the future, I could see them even trying to use more of it to kind of front load 
Jalen Ramsey's contract. Oh, and Dante Fowler. Uh, we forgot about Dante Fowler, who's so effectively they'll have around twenty one, twenty two million to play with, assuming that the adjusted salary cap from Spot Track is right. They're gonna have to either re-sign or replace Austin Blythe. They're more than likely going to have to replace Andrew Whitworth, but a feasible thing that I could see happening is no boom stays at guard, having signed slides over to left tackle, uh, Edwards, Bobby Evans stay on the right side, and then they either re-sign Austin Blythe to play center, they keep Brian Allen at center, they draft somebody at center. Uh, we'll see. But Corey Littleton is a guy that they're going to want to pay. I don't know if they'll be able to. Dante Fowler, I think he's as good as gone. I don't think they can afford him. Michael Brockers depends on the market, but if he made ten million last year, if he's going to sniff that, it ain't going to be here. Maybe, maybe they do something like that. The moral of the story is: what offseason moves can we make? We could probably get more vets along the lines of Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews, but unless you find a way to move Brandon Cooks or Todd Gurley, because those contracts are are not cuttable. They're going to be on the team next year or they're going to get traded. And both guys, while they, they're, I think they're great players. I, I don't think it's a reach to say they're great. There's a lot of risk with both of them when it comes to injuries, health. Uh, Gurley and Cooks, to a degree, have not looked as good this year, even remotely, that they did last year. So we're kind of tied to this team, and if you want to have success next year, you have to hope Bobby Evans and David Edwards continue to improve, which is possible. They've both been bright spots on a dark season this year. You have to hope that McVeigh and Goff get it together, and you have to hope that we can get some vets to come here cheap to fill out the holes in this roster, uh, and you have to nail the limited draft picks you're going to have. There's not. I don't think there's a splash move coming in this offseason. I guess is what that long winded rant was. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what what do you think? What do you think that the Rams could could put together this offseason to kind of salvage? And even with all that said, I do think it's salvageable. There's a lot of there's a ton of talent on this team. Uh, we still have some key players on the rookie deals: John Johnson, Cooper Cup. Uh, good players. Troy Hill, we have on a really cheap deal. Uh, and if he could look like the good Troy Hill for most of the time, that would be great. Uh, but really, you know, it'd be nice to have that extra $8.6 million that we paid Tyler Higby for no fucking reason. Uh, you point to the less need. Man, he just has not succeeded in extending players. He just has not. Uh, you look in the past. At the Tavon Austin contract was absurd at the time, and it didn't age well. The Ogletree contract, the Mark Barron contracts, they were okay at the time. They aged horribly. The Todd Gurley, the Brandon Cooks contracts, we didn't criticize them that much at the time, and they have aged horrendously. Uh, I don't think the Brandon Cooks one is too bad, but in the context of this team, it's awful. Uh, the Jared Goff one, well, I will defend it, and you'll defend it, and we agree. It is still aged horribly. Uh, we didn't have to pay him. I don't, I'm not mad that we did, but we did not have to pay him at the time. He could be on the team next season at $20 million. Uh, but we did it. It is what it is. I think it was the right move at the time. We have hindsight 2020, but, uh, more or less, we're going to have a lot of the same guys. And, you know, if 
I think it's going to be more on fixing the offense internally than externally because the there are pieces there, and if we could, if Evans and Edwards develop and we could add maybe a vet or a good player through the draft to round out that offensive line, uh, then it, then the sky won't be falling. But this is kind of the team. This is kind of the team for next year. Sky is falling. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, I, I'm pretty much with you on all on all accounts here. The uh, when, when you look at the contracts that are coming up, that's expiring, that's still in the books. It, at this point, there's not much choice. Uh, there's really no way to get rid of them unless you trade them away. And and to tell you the truth, I don't know if there's going to be any team out there that's willing to take them and we get, you know, some sort of value out of it. And even if we do uh, make some of these trades, there still has to be some way to, you know, lure in, you know, other players or, you know, getting in that reasonable contracts because, you know, even some of the guys we'd like to keep, we're probably can't because, you know, the contracts are going to be way too much. And uh, I, I just at this point, we have to um, just get used to the guys that are that are, are here. And like you said, supplement them with some, you know, decent veterans out there that will, you know, hopefully help the younger guys that come in. And uh, like like you also said, the uh, uh, the draft has to be nailed properly, which uh, to Sneed's credit, I feel like this year especially, he did pretty well in the NFL draft. For sure. You know, for sure. For the most part. I mean, you know, we ended up getting uh, Taylor Rapp, who I felt like dropped way lower than I ever expected. And uh, he's become one of the biggest contributors on defense, which is which is amazing for a guy that's a rookie and, uh, you know, not even a first round pick. So, uh, or a second round for that matter. So he was a second round pick. Yeah. He was a late second round pick though. But, oh, that's right. That's right. They moved up. Yeah. Yeah. But while you're on that thought, uh, he did draft well this year, but there were flaws, not in the players we picked, but in the approach this, we had a first round pick. It's going to be the only time we went into the draft with a first round pick. Uh, between 2017 and 2021, unless we acquire one. But he, we have this huge glaring need at offensive line, and we went over this a ton, so I'm not going to go too into it. We had a huge need at offensive line, and we trade back twice. Uh, and we could have had good guys that are contributing this year at 31 on the offensive line. We could have had guys that are contributing this year on the offensive line to good teams. The Saints' starting center was available when we moved back to 45. We move back again. We take Taylor Rapp, but let's be real. Like eight eight or nine picks after Taylor Rapp, I don't have the exact number, we trade up and we get Daryl Henderson. We probably could have taken Eric McCoy at 45 and still moved up with the capital we traded to move up for Daryl Henderson to move up and get Taylor Rapp. And Daryl Henderson, I'm, I don't, I think he's going to be a decent player. That wasn't a good pick because we didn't need him. And that's a luxury that would be nice. That's a, that was a luxury pick 
that would have been nice to have another guy who could potentially be a contributor there. Uh, David Long was kind of a luxury pick as well, but I think he's going to be needed sooner than later. We've seen him creep into the rotation the last couple weeks. Uh, Rap, I do like. He's going to be a contributor. He's probably going to be a starting safety for us. Uh, it, maybe, maybe not next year when John Johnson's back and with Weddle, but he's going to be, and he's going to be a useful player. But I think we could have had Rap and a guy like Eric McCoy instead of having Rap and Daryl Henderson. Well, in in Sneed's defense, I, I do think that the hope was that Henderson was going to uh, grasp the offense and, you know, learn, um, you know, what it takes to compete in the NFL a lot quicker than he has. It's still too early to tell on, on Henderson, and I don't think anybody is giving up on him just yet. No, but, no, uh, but, but my point there is you didn't need him. You know, you had no. You you have Todd Gurley and you have Malcolm Brown, and I think both of us at the time said, "Well, Henderson at that round at that value is a good player, a good prospect," and I still think he is. He's shown enough flashes for me to believe that. Uh, you're basically saying you don't trust Todd Gurley, and but like he's missed a game this year, but I I don't I don't think you needed Daryl Henderson there. I think that the the other thinking that they had was that. Brian Allen and Joseph Noteboom are going to be these great offensive linemen for the future, and we don't. We, they didn't need to address that with either of those picks. They wanted to get more draft picks because uh, they trade draft picks like candy, as as we saw this year. Maybe that was their thinking as well. But I think the bet on those two guys for this season to keep the, the window open as a contender was a bad bet, and it didn't work out. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but uh, their job is to to be able to accurately predict these things and they failed in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I kind of, I, I understand what you're saying, you know, in terms of luxury, but in, in that case, uh, you can almost say that Taylor Rapp was sort of a luxury too. I mean, it, it wasn't an immediate need to have uh, a safety. I know technically he hasn't been just a safety for us, He's kind of stepped into a linebacker role as well, right? But um, in in that regard, that's that's great. But even then, like it, it's still a semi luxury pick when you, as you mentioned, the glaring need was still at offensive line. But I, I I can kind of see at the beginning of the season why Henderson was sort of sought after because um, if the reports were true, which I don't think any of us will ever really know, but if the reports were true that Todd Gurley's uh, knee was a bigger concern, that they were kind of prepping for the worst there. And if that's the case, then the pick makes sense. But um, obviously, you know, as we've seen throughout the season, Todd Gurley's knee, while it may not be um, the same Todd Gurley we've seen in previous years, he's already proven that he's still a, a very capable running back and is is capable of doing 20 plus carries a game it's just we decide not to and to me though like if you have that concern that uh Todd Gurley is not gonna be the same CJ Anderson is literally sitting on fucking twitch right now nobody gave him money he was out the, the Lions basically got him for free uh and 
we could have just re-signed him for not a lot of money. And instead we used a valuable pick on a running back. And like that's fine. I we'll see how Anderson pans out. I, I think he's a decent player. I, I, I agree with you to an extent on the rap thing, and I think I tweeted at the time that I didn't think we needed a safety with that pick. I would rather just it off the line. But as we saw even before uh, John Johnson got hurt, they clearly had a role in mind for Taylor Rapp, and he's played a lot this season. And it was a luxury pick to a degree, but not not nearly the level of Henderson, I don't think. But I, I don't know, man. I think they did kind of make up for it with how – Bobby Evans and David Edwards have played. Uh, obviously, the line wasn't perfect tonight, but compared to how it looked in previous weeks this season, this is still somehow one of their better games of the year up front. Oh, no doubt about it. I, I, I think just the entire team as a whole played like crap. So uh, you, you really can't put that on the offensive line. Yeah, they, they could have played better, sure, of course, but... Uh, the entire team could have played better, I think, <laughs> and they just didn't. But uh, before before we uh, wrap things up, Steve, uh, I don't know if you were getting to this or if you even seen this or not. But uh, I I gotta say I I absolutely loved and found this entertaining on um, the little uh, the little jabs that we were seeing between. Marcus Peters and um, Jalen Ramsey. No, I didn't see that. Were they uh, uh, during the game? It was actually after the game. So after the game, well, it was kind of during the game too because um, uh, you, I, I see, I see the clip now. Yeah. So during the game, Marcus Peters is yelling at Jalen Ramsey from across the field on his sideline. You know, just yelling Jalen. And, uh, you know, just, you know, being Marcus Peters, basically. And um, after the game, there was like kind of a, a, a bit of a, you know, a squabble that happened there between Ramsey and, and Peters. You know, they were just uh, jawing at each other. And so, you know, they get separated. No big deal. Right. Well, at the end, after, you know, the cameras are gone. Uh, at least you know the main media cameras are gone. They um, they are. You can see them in the locker room, heading to the locker room, where they actually have to restrain Ramsey. Peters is following Ramsey to the locker room uh, after the Rams are kind of like restraining Ramsey. It's just kind of entertaining. Like I I, I get why there's there's like a kind of an issue there. Obviously, uh, I'm pretty sure. You know, these are two, these are two very cocky individuals, and then you put them together, and a huge loss like this, yeah, tempers are gonna flare. So, I, um, when you get a chance, Steve, take a oh, good look at these. Let me go find them. This yeah, is incredible stuff. Uh, all you gotta oh, do, all you gotta do is search Twitter for Jalen Ramsey, and you're gonna see, you're gonna get, you're gonna get the full stuff. Uh, oh my god, I fucking love Marcus Peters, man. That guy, I will be a fan of him until he dies. Uh, no matter what he does in life for the rest of his football career or whatever, uh, that dude rules, and he, let's, Johnny, let's be honest, since both of these players went to new teams, it's pretty clear who's been the better player, and it's Marcus Peters, and it's, it might not even be particularly close. Obviously, 
different system, asked to do different things, but getting traded might have been the best thing to happen to Marcus Peters because he, he's going to get paid this offseason by somebody. Uh, it was I don't know if it was ever going to be us. I think that trade pretty much signaled that it wouldn't be us, but we could have Marcus Peters in our first-round picks for the next two years. Now we got Jalen Ramsey. I think he's a great player, but when when you put it in that terms and the way Peters is playing, man, it's you, you scratch your head a little bit. I'm going to say, uh, okay, so let me say this. Marcus Peters is obviously a talented cornerback, and I don't, I don't think there's anyone out there that is going to say that Marcus Peters isn't, isn't good. You underestimate um, people. There's plenty of people that would say that. Have you watched Rams Twitter for the past year? Okay, so this is why I don't like Twitter. You know, I know, I know, uh, I know you kind of accused me in the past of you know not being active on Twitter. That's one of the reasons why is because I I see bull like that all the time. Where you know, and like even now, I guarantee you, if I hop onto Twitter right now, I'm I can see like at least twenty fire Sean McVay tweets brewing and. Just like yeah, yeah, let's let's fire the head coach that took us to the Super Bowl. Yep, seems like a great idea. But um, yeah, I I just you know stuff like that bothers me. But anyway, back back to what I was saying. The uh, you know as far as Marcus Peters is concerned, um, there were times, there were moments in in you know some Ram fans' defense, there were some moments where like even you and I. We're saying that Marcus Peters wasn't really that great, and particularly last year. He just wasn't that great. Without Toledo uh, last t- year, yeah, he had a he had a couple of rough games. Yeah, he he had he had uh, some rough outings last year, um, and even like an outing or two this year. But you're right; a lot of it has to do with the defensive scheme. Obviously, fits in better with the Ravens, who actually has a really solid well overall team you know not even just the defense and the fact is Marcus Peters isn't technically even like the well I don't know like I guess you could make an argument if he's the best cornerback on the on the team because they they have such a talented secondary and you, yeah. you've seen it in this game so um in Ramsey's case He's clearly the best uh, player in the secondary. Um, I, I don't think that's a question. And then after that, <laughs> I, I know that we're, we've are we been defending Troy Hill recently. Troy Hill has done an amazing job um, as a guy that's stepping up to become a starter. But let's be real. Um, is he a true starter I would prefer to have somebody better, but um, I, I guess he he's played a lot better than our expectations. But to answer the question, is he someone you'd really want as your starter? Not considering when you had guys like Peters and Talib as your starters. So that's kind of my point here. You you're you're comparing you know the situations of uh, each defenses here. And, uh, yeah, of course, Peters is going to look a lot better yeah. in a much better overall team. 
they're really they're really uncomparable situations. Uh, but I just you know in a vacuum, uh, in not even a vacuum, in just straight up, if the Rams called Baltimore and offered them Jalen Ramsey for Marcus Peters, they'd do it, uh, and th- without even thinking twice. But like, we move Peters and two first round picks essentially to get Jalen Ramsey, and if you could go back in time. I don't know if you do it. You might. I might. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. But it's not as much of a no-brainer, uh, considering that maybe we just weren't using Peters as uh, how he should have been used. But at the same time, he literally could not be playing in a better situation for him right now. Uh, this is exactly how he should be being used. The pressure's off of him. Uh, he's not the number one corner. And he, he's killing it. He's killing it. And I love to see it. I love that dude. Uh, but... We don't have the picks. We have Let's Ramsey. Steve wants to, Steve wants to trade uh, Jalen Ramsey for Marcus Peters. <laughs> I do not. Uh, I, I do not. Uh, but I wish we had both of them. Uh, okay. Any any final thoughts before we never talk about this game again? What game? I didn't see a game out there. <laughs> you, you love to hear it. Uh, okay. That's it for us, guys. Uh, you check out it. We'll have other shows during the week. Derek will be back. Uh, with Ramstock Radio this week, uh, c- coming off, you know, ACL reconstructive surgery, man, he is a trooper. He'll be he'll be here this week to maybe break down this game, maybe just act like it never happened. But uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Sear Barrow. Follow Johnny at Johnny Five Not Six. Follow Ramstock at Talk Rams. Uh, check out Ramstock.com. Check out our writing. Check out my writing on Ramswire. You can find it on my Twitter. Uh, for Johnny, this is Steve Barrow. Talk to you guys later. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. We're going to see him soon. You feel me? control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.